language is offensive. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a little bit to get to today. We're going to talk about some of the offensive players in the 2021 draft. So that means Jamar Chase, who I, I just am in full bloom love with. Justin, well, before we get to it, Chase, uh, uh, Chase, Chaz Surratt, the guy who I'm in full bloom love with defense. He's got a brother who's a wide receiver who's going to go in the first round. So that'll be fun. Uh, we got giant stories and we got a little bit of Corona talk. We hadn't done any Corona talk. And then this week we go full bloom into it. Justin, how are you doing, my man? What's going on with you? Bobby Skinner, we're recording a little bit later at night. So I'm a little tired because I'm even still sore from yesterday's events of where I detailed my car and I haven't detailed the car in a long time. So let's my talk body about is that. Sore. How okay. are you sore from detailing a car? You were saying I'm so tired for what do you I don't mm-hmm. get it. So what I do, it's a five step process with uh, Mothers and McGuire's products. Well, no, I don't lift no the car. No free ads. No. Well, Jay's Auto Detailing used to be a business that I ran formally, so there that is a free ad. How about that? And what I do, like I said, five-step process, including, so I guess you can count it as six, as washing the car, but washing the car doesn't take any, any energy. But all the processes are different or with different waxes, and it starts like with a compound, and what you have to do with that compound, and a lot of these steps is you have to use elbow grease, and you have to rub, 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 rub the paint to get as much dirt out of the car as possible dirt that's like deep in the paint so you can kind of restore it make it look a little new you're slightly taking paint off of the car but it's to make it look new and to make it look better so that's why it's exhausting because you're using a lot of elbow grease i do everything by hand i don't have a fancy machine that does it you're a wimp you're just a real wimp you know that i am i am i'll admit it (laughs) oh so i guess i guess that's cool so we, we do have a decent amount to get to um Ask me how I'm doing. Oh, Bobby Skinner, how how are you doing? Not great. I thought this morning I was oh. going to get into my first like legit fight in five years, like very close. <laughs> I won't go into the details of it, <laughs> but I had a moment because like the probably the last time I got into a fist fight was probably five years ago, and I made the, I had the decision in my head. It was like, do I at 28 years old get into a fist fight? Or do I just swallow my pride and be the bigger man and just go to work and move on with my day instead of driving to someone's house and fighting them? So I, I, I went through that this morning, and my dog has a UTI. So I had to go to the vet, a uh, nice little vet bill. They said, ooh, it looks like she needs an x-ray. Uh, I think she has this. And she didn't have it, so uh, they you know just charged me for an x-ray, so spending money on that. And hate to see my dog not be... Uh, you know, Lucy not be at full strength. So I'm not doing great, but I will say watching Jamar Chase will lift the spirits a bit. Can dogs drink cranberry juice? Yes, but it's been a few days, and then I finally took her to the vet, and I'm not uh, – there's like this cranberry – it's not cranberry juice. They have like this stuff you could buy, but I just got the antibiotics because I didn't uh, I didn't want to see her. I don't, I, you know, I'm a good owner, you know. it's my It's one of my flaws. I'm just too nice. Did someone make fun of Lucy getting a UTI so you wanted to drive to their house to beat the crap out of them? No, no, that's not what it was. Um, you can I, make fun I, of Lucy. Hey, it was worth a try. You can it's make worth fun a try. of Lucy. Hey, Lucy, you're dumb. I love you. All right, let's get into the episode, Justin. We got giant stories, but let's let's hit a little bit of serious uh, serious Corona talk, and I'll pull up the rap report. First, the, um, the NFL Hall of Fame game has been canceled. That doesn't move the needle for me at all, besides the fact that I just enjoy watching that. And it's, you know, I always get excited for the first Hall of Fame game. If football's back, you know, you don't, you're not plugged into the game because it is bad football at the end of the day, but it's nice to see it. You see some guys you looked at in the draft and you want to see what they're doing. You know, last year, um, I think it was Falcons Broncos. So it was cool to see what Drew Locke looked like. Uh, it didn't look great. He was pretty inaccurate in that game. He settled down, though. But the reason that doesn't mean anything to me is because, one, there's not going to be a Hall of Fame ceremony because of Corona. And so there's no reason for these guys to come into camp a week early and for a fifth, you know, what would be the first of five uh, preseason games, an extra preseason game. So that um, I know it's kind of worrying people, but that really doesn't worry me at all as far as Corona, Justin. Hot take. There was one year where the Giants were in the Hall of Fame game. They played the Bills. That was the year that Strahan got inducted, or Parcells. But hot take, I could care less about the Hall of Fame game. Do you, do you watch it? 
No, never. I don't know. It's nice seeing those NFL players back on the field. I'm not doing this preseason debate. I feel like I've done it 20 times this offseason. But I, I enjoy it. And if you don't enjoy it, then, well, uh, you're weird. Yeah, no, it's no, it's just a matter of I don't know if I want to watch other guys' starters just on the football field for the first time in God knows how long when they're only a week into camp. I don't know if I want to watch that quality of football as, like, the first time I see football since the Super Bowl, which largely the Super Bowl is a pretty damn good game. So you wouldn't watch a live training camp a week in the camp? Yes, that's very different. Very different story. No, I love training camp. It's, I'm psychotic. It's, it's the same thing. All right. <laughs> let's talk about let's talk about the real news though. One, we we have heard this for a few days now that they are like the first, you know, few rows or so. They're not letting fans and they're allowing them to cover them with tarps and do sponsors. I don't know how much that makes much of a difference. I guess it's keeping fans as far away from the players as possible but i also think it's just setting them up to make some money if they can't have fans it's better to put the sponsors in the stands than the sponsors on the jerseys that's my take right so but let's talk about let's talk about what Rappaport put out today because they did have meetings and i'll just go through some tweets nfl commissioner roger dale on a conference call says the plan is to start training camp on time and get ready for games at our stadiums and to engage our fans both in stadiums and through our media partners. Talks ongoing with NFLBA, NFLPA to, to decide the specifics. Senior VP of Social Responsibility for the NFL, Anna Isaacson. Our goals for everyone associated with the NFL to register. Uh, I don't care about that. Um, I do, but I just we're not talking about it. NFL Chief Doc Alan Sills. We're setting up a very ambitious testing program. He notes that testing alone will not be sufficient to keep everyone healthy. It's vital Vitally important to keep social distance and use masks when possible. And then NFL executive Jeff Pash says clubs have been advised that training camps are expected to open on a normal schedule with dates set forth in the CBA. That's July 28th, though rookies and selected players can show up earlier. And then David Sills says it's about risk reduction and mitigating risk. Players are going to share the same risk, but also the same responsibility to each other when talking about like Tom Brady's, you know, like players only workouts with the Bucks and like what. Uh, Daniel Jones and Colt McCoy did down in Texas, stuff like that. So to me, this is positive, right, Justin? Like they're planning, like it's, it's close enough to, to start making decisions, you know, basically a month out and they're saying, be ready to be at camp July 28th. I, I, I view that as a positive, Justin. No, it's a huge positive, especially if they have a plan on testing and trying to maintain that and maintain, you know, who was healthy in the facility, who was not possibly who was not healthy in the facility. But something that I was thinking about when talking, when they talked about maintaining social distancing when possible, the league has already been trending towards this between every, every CBA that's developed, they're taking out less padded practices and even just less practice time in general. So what I'm thinking of and what I'm going to be interested to see, and I don't know if we're going to see it, how we're going to see it, who's going to report it because fans aren't going to training camp. That's already official. But how we're going to figure this out. Official, but it's official. Right. How much padded practice they're going to have and how much padded full contact that these guys are going to get before actually stepping foot on a legitimate football field in a legitimate game, whether that's preseason or regular season, and then going out and carrying out live contact. To me, though, Justin, if they're going to be playing games, then you might as well, like, I don't think you're, they're going to be around each other. There's no avoiding that. Like the players are going right. to be around each other. There's no point of like being like trying to reduce them being near each other. Cause they're going to be near each other. If you want to say when they're outside of the facilities, like do not spend time together. That's one thing, but inside the facilities after they're tested to come in, they are going to be touching each other. It's, it's inevitable. Really the only guys you could keep away are the QBs and you know, you don't want, you don't have them getting touched in practice anyway. So, I don't see any way like trying to change practices is makes a difference at all. Well, they've been trying to do it anyway. That's been that I think that's my whole point. The league has been trying to just do this anyway, where and, and like I said, it's it's largely not year to year, but it's largely as CBAs are passed and different rules and regulations as what you can and can't do in practices, that's when it changes and we just had a new CBA passed again. I'll have to refresh myself to see if there was any new practice rules or, or reduced contact, but and I'm worried about it. Like, Bobby, I'm legitimately worried about it because I think Carl Banks was the guy that pointed it out on Twitter. And this this really doesn't maybe doesn't really have to fully do with contact and practices, but related to more or less time spent away from the team facility and working out. Carl Banks 
Banks brought up that after the 2011 lockout and after that CBA was passed and there was a lockout for a little bit, the league saw a record number of injuries that year because guys were working out on their own programs and they were probably largely doing a lot of weight training. And when you do a lot of the heavy weight training and then you come back and you play a contact sport like football, more injuries are going to come up. So that's what I'm worried about too. You know, more time spent away from the facility and stuff like that. My point stands. Um, all right. Do you have any more Corona takes? I just, you know, I don't, I don't feel like going into CBA and stuff like, like, I don't think they're going to be negotiating the CBA over again, you know, two months after they did it. It's a one season type of thing. No, that, no, that's my, but my point is, is that they're trending towards less contact and practices anyway. So they're going to use this time as to take advantage of it. That's my point. But, and it worries me. I don't think they they're not going to because it's a one year thing. Because I mean they, the CBA, it's not like they get a new CBA, like it's a new CBA, and this sets the standard because they go to next year and it's just this is the CBA. Last year was a, an exception. I don't think that it's gonna. I, you know, these owners aren't gonna give up an inch and in, and in what they uh, negotiate already. So I don't I don't see it changing the standard going forward. Yeah, I think the owners would just prefer to have everybody healthy and have football played. As a, and if that takes, hey, let's have maybe one day a week where it's contact practices, and then the rest of them are basically just walkthroughs. Uh, if that's what it takes, I think owners are going to be fine with that. Owners aren't uh, coaches are the ones that are thinking about how can we get more time and pads padded practice and and replicate live action. Owners, I think owners could care less about that. I agree, but it's just a one year thing. Right. Right. I hope you're right. I genuinely hope you're right. I don't see that being like, ooh, look, we did that last year. We're going into this season because the owner, the owners may even want that, but they're not going to change anything in the CBA for the fact that they're just not, they're just not going to give up anything because they fight for every single inch. They're not just going to give right. up something for the sake of giving it up. Um. Anyways, that's. I mean, that's that's all I got on Corona. I don't want to turn into a Corona pod. I've been we've been trying no. to do our best to not do that. Uh, anything else Giants related? Before we uh, hit Giant stories, I feel like we're missing something. Yeah, let me scroll to Talking Giants Twitter. Because I feel like there was something I wanted to hit. Did you ever talk publicly about your your involvement with Eric Flowers? our Philadelphia tight end getting punched? No, not about Eric Flowers. Oh, that is true. That has been fun, is that I've been just... The, it has just been all adding up that I am the one who punched Dallas Goder. And that is what I was talking about this morning. If I was going to... You know, like I said, I was I had to decide if I was gonna get into a fight. Um oh, it was if I was gonna I fight Dallas Godard again. And it has been funny that that ended up being a Florida man. And it's like, do we do we know anybody who uh who lives in Florida? And you could take a little trip to South Dakota. I could see that in you. Well, did you see my tweet where I was like, really enjoyed my time in South Dakota this past <laughs> week and hope to get back. So that was uh, the statement, the Pat Hanlon slash talking giant statement that that we put out. I don't know who put it out. I mean, I guess our PR director, Danny King, must have put it out. Um, but it was good. That really gave me a chuckle. Yeah, I, I liked it, too. Um, so, yeah, I, I punched Dallas Goddard. I will tell our listeners that I will say I'll, I'll give the warning right now. We are six days away from it when you're listening to this. Just know we're going to put out a 74 days until Giants football. With Eric Flowers as the head of it. So I just, I just want to, you know, we're going to see, we're going to let Giants Twitter burn. Everyone's going to be replying like, what the heck is this? Just want to know. That's a yearly tradition on Talking Giants. So look forward to that. Which doesn't it, th- doesn't it feel like with no other sports that like football is right around the corner. But like in reality, there's, you know, 80 days until regular season football. Even though I guess there's like what, like four, like 30 to 40 for preseason football and preseason football basically means football's back. I think it feels longer because you have an entire basketball postseason to go through, which basketball postseasons take insanely long. You have an entire baseball season to get through cough, cough, 60 games. Oh, by the way, baseball's back. I'm wearing my talking Yanks. Well, Susan, I thank you. John Sterling shirt. How was that? John Sterling impression. Was that good? That was horrible. I I will say <laughs> I liked having, the yin and yang of me and Danny as Yankees and Mets fans. And now I, I just realized I got another Yankee fan with me this year. So no, no baseball trash talk on this, on this podcast anymore. We just agree on everything. You like the Nets, even though you're not really basketball and you like the devil. So we like all the same teams where at least me and Danny only have the giants and the Nets. Well, no, let me ask you this. Are you a Gary Sanchez fan or not a Gary Sanchez fan? I like Gary Sanchez. 
oh damn i thought you were gonna be like an old man and be like gary sanchez no. is fat and lazy and i was gonna He's destroy you god darn it we're, we're just i will we're just say that i'm starting to get starting to get worried about aaron judge where i i don't know if we should pay him and i know he got hurt last year but stanton is starting to turn into like a rock for me where it's like he's supposed to be this awesome player and it seems like every year is going to finish with a like that's why I couldn't stand about A Rod. Like the steroids and and the, the fact that he was so weird amplified it. But it just didn't seem like every year ended with an A Rod strikeout. Just every single year, it's like oh, we're in the playoffs, we're down two or whatever in the ninth, and A Rod strikes out. And I mean, in that series against Boston two years ago was Stanton. I mean, he was just swinging at nothing. I mean, the, he, the bat was like ten feet away from the ball. And I just I'm worried that Stanton is going to be like the new A Rod. I'm going to call Giancarlo Mike. He earned it. He earned it well in 2018, but I'm going to call Giancarlo Mike until he really wins me over. So there you go. All right. All right. Let's do giant stores. We're doing too much baseball right now. Baseball's, uh, we, we leave that to the rest of our company. All right. Yeah. Cue the music. Eric Tomlinson was playing Jenga. Leonard Williams, the star of this segment, was having s'mores by the fire, listening to bye-bye Miss American Pie, and playing medicine ball volleyball. Caden Smith uh, would look like he was at a, a yacht club. Sterling Shepard was golfing. Golden Tate was also golfing. BJ Hill was looking for a tattoo person. His words, not mine. And Charlotte Cam Brown was hanging out with horses. And Cameron Fleming was doing home construction. Justin, I know Leonard Williams is the star of this, but uh, what what piques your interest? Definitely Eric Tomlinson playing Jenga. Jenga's a great that was game. The first one, yeah. What was the? Do you know the context? Was there a lot of people? Was it just like one person? Do you do you remember the context of what was the setting around him? Nope, it was the first thing on this, so it's about a week old. So I just uh, know he was playing Jenga. Yeah, well, good, good. Leonard Williams, also, I will say, caught my eye for a different reason that. They were playing volleyball. It wasn't like real volleyball. I guess they were just kind of throwing it or something. But like he had to catch it like with a medicine ball. And there's like, I mean, it's still up there right now. Probably you could go look at Leonard Williams just dive in the sand for a medicine ball. Are his DMs open? On Instagram, yeah. Everyone's are on Instagram. We we need to find a way because we have been Leonard Williams defenders. I think we can finally take that sense where I know you've been very anti-trade like, but you like, you've the been more of a defender been... than me. Like I'm yes. not in, like, yes. I, I, I want Leonard Williams to get sacks next year. If he doesn't get sacks, like I understand, like it's not all about sacks, but, and you know, it can be a little random, but if he goes two years in a row without getting sacks, then that's an issue for me. Yeah. So I'll, I'll put myself in this box. I have been a Leonard Williams defender. Well, yes, I you know the asterisk of the trade, but the dude is a good player. So my whole point is his DMs are open. I need to send him some YouTube videos that we've done of him on him. He needs to watch them. And then what he needs to do, we need to be in his friend group because I just want to hang out and be in his friend group. We, we don't even have to like communicate, but I just want to be a part of his posse and do the things that they do. Posse. Be careful with that word posse, Justin. It has racial undertones. Just kidding. Oh, I'm um, sorry. This it seems like every word has racial undertones. You can't say anything without having racial undertones. All right, rant over. Uh, any, anything else before we move on to this uh, 2021 offensive draft class? Cam Brown with horses. I am a big fan of horses. Love horses. Seahorses forever. And BJ Hill, is there any context that you can give me to... He was looking for who? A tattoo man? A tattoo person? Person. He's inclusive. He does his Instagram stories just said looking for a tattoo person in Charlotte. All right, BJ Hill, rock on. Um, so I'm assuming BJ Hill got a tattoo in Charlotte. All right. That's it. Let's uh 
Let's take a quick break when we move on to the offensive uh, draft class. Come on, pay attention in there. Let's go. We got a beautiful day. Work. Play fast. Play fast. Whoa. Ah. All right, let's look at some of the offensive players from the 2021 draft class, Justin. We're going to go a little wide receiver heavy with this. I think we each have three wide receivers. And then I've got a center, a tight end, and an offensive tackle. So wide receiver heavy, and then uh, then some other positions. Justin, I figured we get the we not save the best for last. We just do the best first. And this guy is awesome. I think he's the best player in this draft from top to bottom. I usually have a hard time like saying this player against this player when the different positions. But with this guy, I'll flat out say he is the best player in this draft. At six foot one, two hundred pounds, a wide receiver from LSU, Jamar Chase. He had eighty four catches for one thousand seven hundred eighty yards and twenty touchdowns. And I get that he's with Joe Burrow, but you know what? They had other great wide receivers. They had Justin Jefferson. They had first round wide receivers who they got the ball too. But Chase was the best, and he won it. He won the best wide receiver of the year. Everything that he does is awesome. Like he's just a complete wide receiver. Justin, he has great speed with length. I don't know if he's going to like have the fastest 40 at the combine, but we will be talking about his combine next year if he competes. If he competes in the combine, you're going to it's going to be wowing. I guarantee you the 40 will be in the in the 4-3s cuz it's just his straight line speed is unbelievable once he gets going. He goes up and gets the ball, he can moss guys. He was the best player for an LSU team that was unbelievably talented and obviously won the championship. He can he's great with the back shoulder stuff, Justin. He can track a back shoulder pass. He can, you know, he twists his body body in the air. He catches the ball with his hands for the most part. He he's hard to tackle. He breaks tackles. He gets good yak. So he, he's a guy who can beat you over the top. He can beat you with route running. And similar to Odell, you can give him a slant and he'll take a 60, 70 yards. Justin, he's the best player until the 2021 draft. And I don't see my opinion. I don't see anything changing my opinion on that uh, that could happen this season. I don't see anything in this season saying changing what I think of Jamar Chase or elevating any other player above this guy. Bobby, I think you're pretty passionate about Jamar Chase. Am I wrong? No, you're not. Now, let's have this question, and this is obviously Giants-related. Don't get me with the, if we're talking, we need quarterback. I, I, I'm so tired of, like, let me just talk about good players without you, these dumb conversations. You get your pick of anybody in the draft. I know we've went offense the, all these years in a row. But can you pass up Jamar Chase if we're in the position to draft him next year? Oh, now, I can't. I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm, as much as there's other positions, for me, I just can't. I'm honestly getting the impression and now we've looked at five wide receivers, both of us, the, arguably some of the top five wide receiver in this 2021 draft class. And you look at this wide receiver class and it is arguably this 2021 class. This Yeah, this 2021 class is arguably better than this year's class. So that is the only thing that I would be skeptical of. Hey, the Giants have this hole and there's also this person out there. Now, I know hopefully we're in a position where it's like, oh, we don't need a quarterback or we don't need a left tackle. And those are two of the most important positions in football, right? Where it's just you have to go positional value. But wouldn't it be nice to be in his position where we're just like, oh, let's just take the best player that we can find. But with that said, wide receiver is one of those positions where if there's depth in the rest of the draft, I may pass on a guy like Chase. But also if Chase comes out here this year, Bobby, without Joe Burrow and without being in one of the best college offenses of all time, and he continues to be a stud, you know, with Justin Jefferson now out of town, if he continues to be a stud, then that's going to make me look at him twice again. It's going to make me look at him even more. I didn't think about that. That will be a huge test. He loses Joe Burrow. He loses Joe Brady. And he loses, you know, Justin Jefferson on the opposite side of him. So the, the pressure will be on him to perform. And I I guess I said there's nothing that can change my mind. Maybe there will be something to change my mind. Maybe he has a bad work ethic. I don't know. But it's going at this. I just – nobody uh, excites me like Jamar Chase does out of this draft class. Right on. Right on. I was actually watching some – not to spend too much time on each guy. You know, the more that we watch LSU tape, the more – I look at that offense, and especially looking at how Jamar Chase works, a lot of jump balls on the from the sideline, a ton of just Joe Burrow having awesome connections with his wide receivers and back shoulder fades. 
So you would think that it's something that can be stopped. Hey, just put like two safeties that are high instead of playing single high. Um, you think it would be something that could stop because a lot of what they did was just deep down the field where it's in the middle of the field or on the sidelines, but nobody could stop it. How do you like that? Well, it's like because that? their run game is good. The run sets up mm. the pass. Mm. All right, moving on. Moving on. My first player, I am dipping back in the hog molly pool with my first player, offensive tackle, Penny Sewell. From Oregon, 6'6", 330 pounds. What a mammoth of a human being. Oregon is an offense that thrives off of wide receiver screens and having a guy like Sewell at that tackle spot who can go out to the secondary level and beyond and absolutely destroy whoever's in his path is impressive and fun to watch. This is where he puts his athleticism and elite change of direction on full display. He's smart in the open field and is always looking for work. His ability to look for work in the open field also translates to his work at the line of scrimmage. Very smart player as well, always looking for work, and even is good at picking up some stunts and stuff like that. And of course, his athleticism is second to none. He's quick out of his stance. Look for him to probably have a Tristan Wirfs type of combine next March. In both run plays and in pass sets, Sewell is a guy who is holding onto his blocks and he finishes plays. He's not going to be someone who is just going to let a defender go because the play is on the other side of the field. He's a play-to-the-whistle type of player, which coaches love. He matches his tenacity with above-average power for the position. Now, I didn't watch an insane amount of Sewell's tape, but I didn't see him operating in a ton of your typical pass sets where you're moving backwards. But I saw a lot of him moving laterally. He is very, very good at understanding leverage and squaring up his opponent. Sewell is going to let a massive... Sewell is going to let his massive frame do the work for him by keeping defenders in front of him. Part of staying square is not lunging forward in your pass sets, and I rarely saw Sewell fall victim to lunging, which is awesome. Overall, in the limited film that I saw on Sewell, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses. He has the athleticism of a Worfs, the good footwork like Jedrick Wills, and he is just as effective at his job like Andrew Thomas is. He is almost a too-good-to-be-true prospect at left tackle. It wouldn't surprise me if he is the consensus number one tackle in 2021's draft if he isn't already considered to be. Sewell, I need to watch more of him because I want to like I want to see if he's better than uh, Andrew Thomas. But I saw the stat that he only gave up seven pressures last year, and you know stats can't tell the whole story. But like you know, like uh, Andrew Thomas with that those low pressure numbers, and I get the uh, Pac-12 isn't the same as the SEC. That's that's one reason I want to watch Sewell um, more. It's because of you know I want to see I want to see him go against the best competition. I did watch him against Auburn. But I kept on peeking over at Shane Lemieux in that game. Uh, but the seven pressures just tells me he's an unbelievably intelligent player. That just means you didn't make, you basically didn't make like more than seven mistakes, you know. And some of those couldn't have been mental; they could have just been like, "Oh, he got beat," and they and he pressured the QB. Um, and you had a guy like Herbert at QB. Yeah, I, I think this guy's awesome. You know, granted, we've only watched, I've only watched one game of him. Um, it was against Auburn, so it had a pretty much a whole NFL defensive line. But yeah, he's a beast. I don't know if the Giants would be in position to take another offensive tackle, especially when you want Parrot to develop. But it would be fun. Uh, and like and like we said at the beginning of this, Justin, we're only going to talk about the top players, and Sewell is a top player. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. All right, so who am I going to go next? Should I go back-to-back wide receivers? You know what? I'm going to go wide receiver, different player, well, wide receiver, different player. I'm going to go, since you did offensive tackle, I'm going to do offensive tackle. But I'm going to right tackle out of Michigan, Mays Blue, offensive tackle, six foot five, 319 pounds, Jalen Mayfield. He started 13 games at right tackle last season, Justin. He's very agile and quick. You you see how fast he gets to the second level, and that looks like, like an, an elite ability to do that. You know, like I said, he gets to the second level, he gets on linebackers, he seals them off, and he does his job doing that in the run game. In the pass game, he is very good at keeping his hips square. He kind of almost reminds me of Jedrick Wills in a, in, in a way. Yep, where I have the same thing. He's very technically, and it's crazy they both played right tackle. It shows that, that maybe right tackle is a little easier. But we need a right tackle now that we got Andrew Thomas at left tackle, who should start there day one. Anyways, Mayfield, he stays very squip, uh, uh, square with his hips in the past, and that's something I always look for. It's like, do you trust your athletic ability, even though he's not like the fastest guy in his past sets? But I watched him against Chase Young in Ohio State, and Chase Young got him a couple times, but I thought he did a pretty solid job against Chase Young. 
you know, and then times where he did get beat, it wasn't like disgusting. It wasn't like Nate Solder getting beat by Trey Flowers. It was like, okay, like he got beat there and it didn't even give up a sack, um, even though he did give up one on a stunt. Um, that being said, Michigan ran a very tight offense with, uh, you know, extra tight ends and a fullback and stuff. So, so stuff was very compacted. So he didn't always have like a pure defensive end one on one. But nonetheless, he did his job. Uh, he was good in the run game. He gets movement. You know, there's some stunts and stuff like that, but he only started, this is was his first year starting. So, you know, when I go and back and watch him next year, if there is college football, what I want to see for him is improvement in the mental aspect. But, you know, we don't know how this draft goes. You know, we see it every year. Guys are projected to go in the first round. They go in the second round and then vice versa. This could be a guy that falls to the second round. Um Maybe they don't like Parrot. I don't know. But I, I like Jalen Mayfield, and I like the f- fact that he plays right tackle. Yeah, I'm glad you brought in a right tackle. I think this is going to be the only right tackle that we look at because the other guy that I have is a left tackle, and the other lineman I have is a center. But I – no, let me say this first. I like how you actually got to see Mayfield in actual legit pass sets, unlike some of these other guys that we looked at who are pretty much like solely square in their pass sets. And there's nothing wrong with that. You 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 run what your offense runs, right? So Sewell was a guy that was largely stayed very square in his pass sets, and he was kind of just like waiting for contact. Where Mayfield, you got to see him running, actually you know, going backwards and making, you know, initiating the contact with, with his guys. I like the spacing between his feet. Doesn't seem like the quickest guy, but he does remind me of Wills because he's very choppy in his steps and looks to be like a technician. For sure. For sure. All right, so we are going back to moi and who I'm going to be talking about first from my wide receivers. I only have two. You thought I had three. I only have two. I'm glad you have three because we need to talk about wide receivers. But my favorite wide receiver that I've looked at so far is Jalen Waddle from Alabama. I love Alabama. I'm loving my Alabama guys. In 2019, he had 33 catches for 560 yards, 17 yards per reception, six touchdowns. In 2018, his numbers were slightly better, but I won't read them for the sake of time. But it's important to know that he was actually fourth on the depth chart. So here we go. What a group of wide receivers Alabama had last year. Looking back on that 2019 group, if all goes right this year, all four will be first-round picks in their respective drafts, which is nuts and bananas. Despite not having as good as numbers compared to teammate Devonta Smith, Devonta Smith had almost 70 catches and nearly 1,300 yards last year. Waddle is much quicker than Smith, similar to his 2019 teammate Henry Ruggs. Ruggs, who ran a 4.2740 at the Combine last year, would race Waddle in sprints while at Bama, and they would basically tie. He's fast, Bobby. I know how much you love when I say fast. I really hate it. And with an increased role in 2020, Waddle will challenge to be the wide receiver one of this year's draft, and yes, I'm aware of who Jamar Chase is. Catch a load of this. Waddle earned a perfect 158.3 passer rating when targeted and averaged an astonishing 12.2 yards after the catch per reception. He averaged over 22 yards after the catch per reception on 10 screen plays last season. Bobby, that's on screen plays alone, 22 yards after the catch. Waddle is arguably the most explosive playmaker in college football right now with top end speed for days. He even showed this explosiveness as a, as a punt and kick returner as well. Waddle returned one of his five kickoffs for a score and another as a punt returner, averaging almost 25 yards per return, 8.6 yards higher than anyone else. For Waddle's sake, I am really hoping we have a college football season in 2020 so he can showcase what he can do when he is at the top of the depth chart. Like I said, he was fourth on the depth chart in 2019. He has the opportunity this year to go from the gimmick deep target player to burst onto the scene as a complete wide receiver with insane athleticism. He is very good. He's not bad Jamar, Jamar Chase, but he is really good. And he has that kick return ability and you know punt return, which is nasty. His route running is disgusting. Um, a lot of people think he was better than, like you said, you know, Judy and Ruggs. It'll be interesting to see what he does this year, you know, similar to Chase, where he doesn't have those two guys there and no Tua. But we may not have college football. I don't think we're going to have college football, by the way. Let, let's just say that. Um, and I was thinking of I was thinking of an idea. Maybe the, maybe the listeners can tell us, Justin, and I know this gets off the topic of Waddle, so you can cut off the YouTube video at, at the point where I start talking about this. What do you think about us just doing two college players an episode? Like, we each just do one. 
At least until <sighs> training camp. At least until training camp. We have to see how much news... Because if, if we continue to not have a ton of news, then sure, I'm all for it. But this We're doing is, it. I'll be honest. <laughs> okay. More work. It's decided. More work. All right, I love it. Because I, I get excited watching these players. Uh, but yeah, Waddle, Waddle's a friggin' beast. Love his punt returning ability. Um, and he's just an amazing route runner. Uh, just disgusting. All right, next on my list, I'm going back to the wide receiver hole. Out of Clemson, six foot four, two hundred five pounds. Justin Ross. His name isn't spelled like yours, though. There's a instead of an I, there's a Y. In 2018, he had 46 catches for a thousand yards and nine touchdowns. Yes, that means over 20 yards per catch. In 2019, it went down a little bit. He added 20 catches and lost 130 yards with 66 catches, 865 yards, and eight touchdowns. Justin, unfortunately, he had surgery. Um, and so if there even if there is a season, he's going to miss all of it. Uh, it was like congenital fusion, like spine surgery. I don't know what that means. And I didn't want to look it up because I was scared to Ouch. look at it. Um, so he might slip. But nonetheless, when I say his height, Justin, six foot four, two oh five, what you think is what you get with this guy. A guy who's gonna go up and high point the ball. I mean, he he's Moss City out there. And especially in the red zone. In the red zone, he just goes up and gets the ball, and, and it's pretty cool to see. And you can always use a guy like that. I, I Route running, I would say, is more important than you know ability to go up and get the ball. But having that ability does put you on a different level, and it changes things. And this guy, has he does have the route running to pair with that, Justin. He's got good speed. He can beat you in man. He can, you know... He can, uh, you know, do better on the route tree. He's got room. Uh, he's got room to grow. Um, unfortunately, he won't get this year to do that. Uh, but he's also had Trevor Lawrence with him, so there was some passes where it's just like, you know, a perfectly placed ball. Um, but you know what? Almost all these wide receivers get perfectly placed balls at the same time, and so and he'll he'll get perfectly placed balls with Daniel Jones if if he ends up with the Giants. But he's size, and he could with the injury could end up slipping to the second round, Justin, and. Maybe that is a, a second-round target, like you said, with wide receiver, is they take a chance on a guy who had these injuries. Although, I don't know what his injury is, but the, just the sound of it scares me. Yeah, um, makes me like, makes me a little queasy when we talk start talking about problems with the spine. Uh, Big Blue Stan on Twitter was the one to tell me that this is the guy to look at, so shout-out to you. I'm glad you're covering him, Bobby. Um, I'm no scout, but when I was watching him, it seems like the kid has soft hands. You know, I was just watching him. And I don't really know what that term means, but I was watching him and the thought came to my brain. Kid's got soft hands. He does. And he gets the ball at the highest point. He always catches it with his soft hands and away from the body, like always arms full extended. So you pair that with six foot four and there's just some nasty plays the guy makes. And this is important in today's NFL. When Sunshine Trevor Lawrence needed to improvise, it seems like Ross is the guy that T-Law is looking for. And I just like that sentence because I gave Trevor Lawrence two different nicknames in the same sentence. He also had T. Higgins who could go up and get it as well. That's the scary thing about these young QBs. Everyone likes to anoint them, but they forget how good they have it. Hmm. All right. I'm going back to the Hog Mollies. Creed Humphrey from OU, Oklahoma, 6'5", 307 pounds. Who says centers can't be tall? If the Giants are going to continue to follow the Cowboys' formula of building their team by prioritizing positions like running back and offensive aligned in the draft, taking a center in the first or the second round may be on the horizon. At the time the pick was made, Travis Frederick was a bit of a head-scratcher because he was a center, and usually you don't take centers in the first round, but fortunately for them, the pick worked out, and Creed Humphrey may be someone the Giants are already looking at. Why they may be looking at a guy like Humphrey is because of his lower body strength. He is an anchor. Watching a few games, I saw him working at the line of scrimmage, constantly pointing out the mic and pointing out protections. A smart player who can communicate well at the line of scrimmage is a guy the Giants have been lacking the last few years. When Humphrey gets engaged and square with you, you aren't going anywhere. He doesn't really drive guys in the run game, but he holds his ground and he doesn't let guys go. I like to see him drive and churn his legs a little bit more in 2020, but nevertheless, he gets the job done well. His recovery is also something to be commended for as well. If he loses at the point of attack, he is able to establish his anchor again and collect his feet again. You rarely see him on the ground, which if you know me, 
I believe that offensive linemen should not be on the ground. Their jersey should not be dirty unless it's for a chop block. I also noticed that he is a left-handed center. And Bobby, I kind of want to ask you if when a right-handed QB is under center, if that has any impact on the center to QB exchange when you have a left-handed center. I don't know. We'll talk about that. And overall, Humphrey does not have, I really didn't see any weaknesses. Um, Some analysts have mentioned weaknesses like leaning and being too impatient to get out of his stance. But this cat is good and he's strong. He got the opportunity to declare for this year's draft, but chose to stay in school with such a packed full center class. However, I'm willing to say that if Humphrey, if he did declare this year, he would have been in the conversation of possibly being the best center in this class. He is undoubtedly going to be the best center in 2021's class. Um, as far as the whole left-handed thing, I have no clue, but I don't see why it would make a difference. Um, I just, I'm like, look, I'm just think, like playing it out in my head. I don't see what the what difference it would make. Justin, I'm also going to go with the center, but my guy's from the University of Georgia. He was the center for Andrew Thomas, Isaiah Wilson, uh, Jake Fromm, who everybody loves. Nobody has negative thing to say about Jake Fromm. Uh, just kidding. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about Jake Fromm. Justin, that was a joke. He started. I love Jake Fromm. Center this past year, for... do you? That's problematic. You know that, right? Oh wait. All right. I'll edit that all out. Did he do something? Do you racist? think? Do you think Jake Fromm is elite? Wait, did Jake Fromm do something racist, and that's why I can't did you, say that I love Jake I, No, Fromm. I'm saying, do you think Jake Fromm's elite? I think if you put Jake Fromm's brain in Justin Herbert's body, you have the best quarterback ever. Like an elite white person. Interesting. You better not edit out any of this. And you know what? People who get mad, Justin obviously has no idea what he's saying. Um, but he will after did, the show, I, and I can't I wait need to, to know. <laughs> he's... Someone blasted his text messages where he said, like, we need more elite white people or, or something like that. Oh, no. I, I'm i editing all of this out. No, I can't say no. This. Yes, you do. You didn't know. You didn't know. And it's oh, funny. God, if I our listeners terrible. can't laugh at that, then they don't have a sense of humor. It's funny because you had no clue. Which uh, is just funny. You're, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clip that. How about that? Um Justin, I love you. Need to clip the entire conversation. No, I'm just going to clip Justin on today's episode. No, I love Jake Fromm. If you edit that out, I'm telling you right now, this is like on air editing. If you edit that out, I'm going to be pissed. Nonetheless, Trey Hill. um, Should we put this on YouTube? Let's just leave this guy off the YouTube. Uh, Some more on air editing. No, no editing for uh, uh, YouTube for Trey Hill. Because I don't even think he's that good to be honest. He's like really slow. Like, unbelievably so. Reminds me of myself how slow he is. Um, That being said, he's very strong. He can fold dudes. um, And he gets movement, um, which is, you know, not always the easiest thing to do when you're playing in the SEC. Uh, He needs to work on some mental stuff. He misses stunt versus LSU. He's aggressive in the run game, which means he kind of leans. Justin, I'll be honest, I don't really like this guy. But I went and looked at a center. You know, I went and looked at a ranking board. You had the, uh, the other guy. I went him. And I wasn't going to go look at a second center um, this far out. So I'm honestly not a big Trey Hill fan. Yeah, I don't want to talk about anything for any longer, if that's okay. (laughs) I don't want to talk anything that's related to this. I don't want to talk about. What do you think about Bubba Wallace? All right, move on. Um, You didn't even know who Jesse Smollett was last episode. All right. Yeah, a couple days later, it took me to figure out who it was and why it was connected to Bubba Walls that he was trending and then uh shout out Will on Twitter said what are you not a Mighty Ducks fan and then I had to look up was Jesse Small in in my the Mighty Ducks yes he was it, it was just a confusing time to be Justin boy for someone who is educated as you I'd be knowing way more than you all right move on I all right all right I'm I'm done I'm I'm honestly ashamed of myself I don't know if I could all right I'm ending it no what do you think about the offensive tackle David Dukes Nope, I'm just gonna. I'm just. Can I just continue on with my list, please? That would be great. Go ahead. All right, I have. I have a tight end. Um, This guy is my Malcolm X Factor of the week. All right, go ahead. Oh boy, (laughs) boy, boy! I have a dream, and this guy is good. (laughs) All right, we love you. Let's talk in Giants. We haven't. We're having fun. Gosh. All right, are you done? You got it. You got any of the puns? You got any of the puns? (laughs) We need to segregate the good players from the bad players for this camp. All right, go, go ahead. We're no, done. That that one, that last one wasn't wasn't cool. 
The, you were fine. I think you were you were okay with the other two, but the last one was that. Eh. You so you want the bad players to be with the good players on the field? I just no nope. I'm gone. I'm moving on. I'm done. I'm done. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> All right, I'm, I'm on. about to mute you, Pat Fryermuth, and I don't know if that's how you, I I know that's how you say the first part of his name, but then I actually put on my sheet how you pronounce his name. That's different from his spelling, but I'm still gonna probably uh, screw it up. So Pat Fryermuth from Penn State, he's a tight end. He's probably the most complete tight end in this class when you combine his speed and size. He's from New England. He wears number 87, and he's compared to Rob Gronkowski. Those comparisons are no joke. The nickname draft analysts have given him is Baby Gronk. He averages 12.7 yards per reception. I didn't even read his stats. That's how thrown off you got me right now. He's 6'5", 256 pounds, like I said, from Penn State. In 2019, he played in 13 games, 43 receptions, 507 yards seven touchdowns and now we'll get into some more of his stats he averages 12.7 yards per reception for 875 yards and a whopping 15 touchdowns in his two full years that is a touchdown catch every 4.6 receptions and 1.67 games when he is running in the open field guys do not want to bring him down and he runs with the tenacity that he doesn't want to go down either Fryermuth isn't just th- isn't just a thumper and a big tight end that just runs with two hands on the ball before he gets tackled. I can't stand that. When these huge tight ends, they're just huge thumpers, and they don't know what to do when they get the ball in their hands, and they just fall down whenever somebody tackles their ankles. This guy isn't that. He makes things happen in space. He'll lower his shoulder and shrug it and lick his fingers in satisfaction afterwards. I don't know if I like that analogy, but I did it anyway. He has reliable hands and winch jump balls time and time again. In terms of him as a blocker, he is a willing blocker. Maybe not the best, the most refined you've ever seen, but you're going to take this guy in the first or second round because Fryermuth is everything you want your modern-day modern day tight end to be. Tall, athletic, strong, physical, and versatile. Penn State would line up with, would line him up with his hand in the dirt, and they would split him out wide, and an NFL team is going to do the same exact thing. No matter what happens this year for the Giants at the tight end spot, this guy is so intriguing because of how lethal it can be to have a top-tier wide receiver with tools like a Gronk, Kelsey, Kittle, and Ertz, and this dude has got those tools. Yeah, and I don't think tight end is a crazy like, position to look at because, say, we're ready – like, say – Evan Ingram was traded, you know, and Caden Smith doesn't fit the bill. So tight end could be a position the Giants are looking at. Maybe not in the first round, but it could be a position you're looking at. And we see, like we said before, guys who are projecting the first round will be going in the second round and vice versa. Um, you know, I read the baby Gronk stuff, Justin, and I was like, okay, like that's probably not true. But he does remind me of Gronk the way he plays. Like you said, like he catches the ball, mm-hmm. he, he go up and gets it. But more so when he runs, he just runs like a – like a caveman where he's just bumping into people and just won't go down. He really does remind me of, uh, of Gronk like that. So I didn't. So when like I kind of rolled my eyes at first with the baby Gronk stuff, but he, he is similar to Gronk. I, you know, Gronk's better. Um, you know, Gronk arguably could be called the best tight end in the NFL history, but there is like some similarities there. All right. Next on my list, you guys remember how I fell in love with, with Chaz Surratt. Well, his weather plays wide receiver. At Wake Forest, he's six foot three, two hundred fifteen pounds. I think the same size as Chaz Sage Surratt. Justin, last year he had sixty six catches, a thousand one yards, and eleven touchdowns for a not good Wake Forest team. He's a very crisp route runner. Um, you know, he's not like a Jalen Waddle where it's just all speed, but he's a very crisp route runner. Route runner. He's super gritty with his yards after catch. He doesn't like to go down. He's great off press coverage, and a lot of these guys don't see press. But he was very good against it and was like physical to get guys off him. He can take the top off when needed. He's not like a flat out burner, but he can't take the top off of a defense. He goes up and gets it. He goes over the middle field, works the middle field. He can adjust to underthrows. You could use him a back shoulder. Justin, he's just a very complete wide receiver. And those kind of guys make money in the NFL. You know, I don't know if, if Sage is just going to be like, you know, a top five wide receiver in the NFL. But he's going to be a solid number one for somebody, I would believe, at this point. Yeah, this past season, Surratt was averaging 7.3 receptions and 111.2 yards per game. Those numbers are bananas. He looked to utilize the route tree a bit, kind of like you said, Bobby, from the brief, you know, couple minutes that I saw, you know, saw a good mix of routes, including, you know, curl, curl routes, fades, streaks down the field. And when you got an athletic 6'3 wide receiver like that, 
you know, especially when you're playing, you know, uh, not so good competition, it's a tough spot as a defense coordinator. Do you put your cornerback in press so he can moss you downfield? Or do you put him like five, 10 yards back from the line of scrimmage and they can just run curl routes all day and he can get yards after contact, yards after the catch and broken tackles? It's a tough spot to be in. <laughs> yeah. All right, Justin, who do you got next? All right, I am going back to wide receiver myself, Ron Dale Moore from Purdue. His stats, he only played four games in 2019 because he had a season-ending injury, 29 receptions, 387 yards, two touchdowns. But in 2018, hold on to your horses for this, 13 games, 114 receptions as a pure freshman, 1,258 yards, a leverage, 11 uh, yards per catch, 12 touchdowns, 21 also, also 21 rushing attempts, 213 yards, and two touchdowns. So, again, if you want to talk playmaker and big play machines at the wide receiver spot, look no further than Rondell Moore. He led college football with 37 broken tackles on 114 catches in 2018 and had seven broken on 29 catches for 385 yards before going down for the season in week four last year. A slot wide receiver who catches a lot of balls, and I I, you screwed me up with this whole uh, Jake Fromm thing that I forgot to say his height. He's 5'9". He's 5'9", so he is going to be pretty much a slot wide receiver. He's a slot wide receiver who catches a lot of balls, who can break tackles, and sign me up for a guy like that. After being named first-team All-American and winning the Paul Hornig Award, which is the most versatile player in college football as a true freshman in 2018, Moore came back in 2019 and looked like he would he was going to have an even bigger year. Then again, suffered that injury, knocked him out the rest of the season. Looking at Moore's numbers in 2018 and analyzing what he could do this year, Keep an eye out for him to be in the running for the Heisman. Just saying, keep an eye out for Heisman. Moore at Purdue wasn't just a player who feasted off of easier competition either. Some of his best games and highlight-worthy plays came in games against Wisconsin and Ohio State, and he was a huge part of the upset against Ohio State in 2018, collecting 12 catches for 170 yards, two touchdowns, and two rushing attempts for 24, 24 yards. It was his best game of the season. Don't let the small size fool you as well. Moore is not a guy who will go down easily or go down because of an arm tackle. 37 broken tackles after the catch in 2018. It led the FBS four more than any power five wide receiver had in a single season since 2014. I guess the only negative part of his game, which is totally out of his control, is that Moore doesn't have a very diverse route tree. More than 35% of his targets came from a screen, sweep, or flare. But more often than that, those plays yielded positive results anyway. I would love to see more utilize the route tree more if we were going to put him up with the Jamar Chases of the world. But a playmaker like this who is already getting Heisman hype as a non-quarterback is going to be a stud drafted in the first round. First of all, no no, uh, no one from Purdue will ever win a Heisman. But second of all, you're right about this player. You can use him in like a Tyreek Hill kind of role, Justin. You know, like you said, the route tree is not there, but... You get this guy's speed and space, and it's unbelievable. Like you mentioned, jet sweeps and stuff. I will correct you one more time. The biggest impact on that Ohio State-Purdue game was the fact that Purdue stopped Dwayne Haskins from being able to throw two-yard passes that go for 15 yards every play. Um, but nonetheless, like you said, this guy is really exciting, and you can do so many different types of things with him. He's an interesting player, and like you you, meant, you brought up his numbers. He's an awesome player, and he's going to put up numbers. But he's not winning a Heisman at Purdue. I'm sorry. Ooh, tough take. Tough, tough take and sucks if you're from Purdue. But I want to emphasize 5'9", extremely difficult to bring down. That's one thing that I forgot to say because uh, no, I'm you an said idiot. it. You said it. You said it, Justin. You're just you're just off your game, and I love it. I love it when you're off I'm your all, game. Yeah, you you got me off my game. That, That's I, where I I'm thrive. Officially, I'm shook right now. That's where I thrive. All right, let's finish it off. Let's go quick. Yeah. I had to put a Miami guy in here. Miami tight end, 6'3", 235 pounds brevin jordan last year he had 35 catches for 495 yards and two touchdowns justin he's a really good blocker um i remember watching him against that the florida gators in that week zero game last year and he had an he had an awesome game it's probably his best game of the year but he he's a really good blocker in the pass and the run like even downfield he makes like plays in the blocking i even i think i shared a clip from the talking giants page of his downfield blocking and it's just good form too. It's not like he's just stronger than guys and he mauls them. Like he he puts a real effort into his blocking and and it it's noticeable. 
Um, they even like put him in the backfield a couple times, even though that probably doesn't fit him and it probably won't do that much in the NFL. Um, they still did do it. Uh, he struggled from bad QB play at Miami, but he's not like doesn't have like a burner speed, but he has good yards after catch, and they would run tight end screens for him. I mean, they would they would find ways to get him involved because he was a really good weapon. Um, he's got he's a good route runner. You know, it's kind of a basic route tree, but at the tight end position, you're not going to be running the craziest of routes. Um, they throw a couple jukes in there here and there. He's just a really solid player. And like I said, I don't think talking about tight ends is crazy with this Giants roster. All right. We're wrapping it up. This is last player, correct? Correct. Correct. Last player. Let's do it. Sam Cosme, offensive tackle from Texas, 6'7", 311 pounds, a mammoth of a human being size-wise, or height-wise, I should say, and another anchor. I was impressed with his mirroring skills and his ability to not give up ground in his pass sets. By some, like PFF, the critique on Cosme is that he needs to improve improve his play strength, which, when watching him navigate through his normal pass sets, when he is fully moving backward and isn't just square at the line of scrimmage, I can see where that critique may come from, but also... Some people may just look at his weight at 6'7", only being 3'11", and say, oh, 3'11 is too small for a left tackle, so maybe he can add 10 to 15 pounds of weight on, so we're just going to go with the critique that he has a lack of play strength. I don't know. Again, and I hate to repeat the same point with these linemen, you watch them briefly, and that's what we're doing here. That's the key here. And there's nothing you don't like that jumps out at you. They play through the whistle, they play nasty, and they play hard. Cosme is no exception, and hopefully he can take another jump this year. Boom. He's nasty, dude. He he did impress me, and which is funny. Um, you know, people thought I've become a PFF like fanboy lately because we've been agreeing on so many things. Uh, <laughs> but I, I'm back. I'm back. I completely disagree with him on this one, and it's it's authentic because I texted you. I didn't text you about any of your players except for this guy, and I just said this guy is so strong. Um, and it, like he just mauls dudes like so strong that you're like, eh, maybe he should move inside. Like I could see this guy being like the best center in the NFL. And his frame kind of looks at his stance is. Do you notice in his stance, like his back is arched a little bit? I don't know. I, I feel like I'm nitpicking there. Um, weird. But I, I like Cosme. I was very impressed watching him. And I will say, Justin, I know we're having fun and I'm going to ruin the mood, but. I'm not having fun. <laughs> we're having fun. But I, I, I'm going to ruin the mood here. Um, when I texted you that he's so freaking strong. I just thought, like, man, I would usually text out to Anthony. And today, as we're recording, this was Anthony's birthday. Um, and I don't know why I'm ruining the mood right now, but I don't, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, I texted you about, I texted you about Cosme, and I was just like, man, I would have texted out to Anthony and sent them some kind of clips or something. Um, and it would have been his birthday today and Father's Day is this past weekend, so pretty tough, pretty tough week for them over there. Yeah, you really did ruin the move. Way to go! Um, but yeah, no, we're we're always thinking of Anthony, even when we're not thinking of Anthony, even when you know, uh, even when we may not directly you know be saying that we're thinking of Anthony. It's still very fresh, especially with Father's Day this past weekend. You know, remembering you know, you know those those three girls at home. We love you, Anthony. Uh, I think uh, snacks on on the Bleeding Blue show, which is like a cousin show to Talking Giants. He he's made the decision that he's ending every episode by saying that we love you, Anthony, and we hope you enjoyed the episode. We know that he's listening, Bobby, and we know that he's prepping for the for the twenty twenty one draft just like we are. He's probably doing a little bit more than we are. So we love you, buddy. Yep. All right, and we love you guys. We appreciate you. I know this can like I don't think this is every person's type of episode. This twenty twenty one draft stuff. But you know what? I I was kind of getting bored with just nothing new, you know, mailbags and interviews. I was like, let's switch it up. Let's do something a little different, and we'll have some different stuff coming up too. As you've been hint, you've seen, we've been hinting at a big July sixth episode, and we were supposed to take that whole week off, um, listeners. And I found out that that the um, supplemental draft might be that week, so I canceled that. So how about that? We love you guys that much that we would change our vacation to maneuver around the supplemental draft we're probably not even gonna take anybody uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but it is what it is um we're not gonna take anybody i can't believe i did that we'll talk about it maybe we'll change it back um we appreciate you guys we love you guys and maybe we'll start doing two players on each episode we'll see if we do we'll see you then until then let's go big blue <laughs>